0: Welcome back to Tech Talks, I'm your host Jack Brandwood and this is the podcast where I speak to some of the brightest and most influential people in the tech industry in the UK. This week I sit down with the VP of Engineering of Lunio, Anna Dick. We talked about everything from Anna's experience in both big and small teams, how we get more women into tech and staying ethical in decision making.
1: One of the things, one of the many things I think that attracted me to Lunio is actually one of their core values is about staying ethical through all their decision-making. That really, That's really important to me.
0: For more information on this episode and Tech Talks, head over to tech-it.co.uk. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the episode. Hi Anna, thanks for coming on.
1: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, look, to, to get started, for anyone who doesn't know Anna, who are you?
1: Well, there's lots to me, but I think <laughs> in the context for this podcast, uh, my name's Anna Dick. I'm a tech uh, leader and software development manager, CTO person. I've been doing that in and around the Northwest probably for about 15 years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, passionate around building um, tech teams and products for re- that solve real problems. Yeah. Okay. Um, especially around that kind of scaling space. So moving from startup to scale up and working and growing with teams to kind of solve those problems.
0: Incredible, and we just realized that we'd, we, we've done a podcast together before, years ago. So it's- Yeah, it's, we've done this before. <laughs> <it's> version two. <laughs> version two. <laughs> Amazing. Look, I was I start these things, I think I, I mentioned um, probably a little bit with too short notice that our, our vision at attacks is trying to create a world where everyone gets their dream job. So awkwardly, I'm gonna ask you to draw what you wanted to be when you grew up, where this all started,
1: you okay. draw it or? I'm not a very good drawer. No, <laughs> no right. I can't remember the last. I don't use go. pen and paper very often these days. Nobody does.
0: It's it's a really weird feeling. It's like when you've been on the school holidays. Am I, I going to draw it and then you have to guess?
1: Uh, <laughs> we can try and guess. Yeah,
0: it depends how bad it is. Okay, I'll give you a signal um, if you can't guess.
1: Okay, let's um, try and guess what this is.
0: Okay. I, oh yes, I know what you're doing.
1: Uh okay. Are you to, that's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty bad, isn't it? Any can, ideas?
0: G- gymnast, right?
1: That's it. Yes. Yeah, gymnast. Yes. Yeah. I was awesome. really into gymnastics when I was younger, trained a lot, probably was competitive, probably until was about thirteen or fourteen. Amazing. Until my that's interest for anybody who's listening.
0: <laughs> um, we'll get you to sign it after.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine we'll get um, get that up on a wall somewhere. <laughs> um yeah so i that's what i wanted to be i think for years i always thought i'd be a professional gymnast was really into my sports and then i kind of hit that 14 15 where i think my my general interests changed and it was much more about socializing with my friends and like not going to training and not being as 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 active in that way yeah i never made it to be a gymnast
0: oh no i think the same thing happens with everybody who's growing up then as soon as the get friends and that sort of thing then it just kind of falls by the wayside so wh- where did you grow up whereabouts
1: so i grew up in the south of england in a small village um not far from oxford so in oxfordshire um so yeah a lovely uh nice little village yeah fairly quiet fairly rural which is lovely so it's been quite a big change for me living in manchester yeah I bet. Uh, yeah especially now my so i've got a daughter who's 12 and she's now just started out senior school. And I went to quite small schools, you know, they were quite rural and she's now kind of inner city Manchester school, which is massive, like 3000 kids or something in the school. Jeez,
0: wow. Yeah. So, so what was the, cause I always tend to find that a career in tech is usually foreshadowed from, from uh, younger life. When was your exposure to tech? When did it happen?
1: So nothing at school. Like, I mean, I'm in my mid forties now. So when I was at school, there wasn't really an obvious career path into tech. I didn't know about tech roles, even like STEM, like maths and science wasn't promoted nearly enough. So I didn't really have that. I think, you know, I wanted to be a gymnast. So I was very sporty when I left school with okay GCSEs, but I was never pretty that academic. Um, I did a GMVQ in leisure.
0: Right, yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> and that was kind of that sports thing. So, all right, no, not a gymnast. Maybe I'll be like, a, you know, work at a leisure centre or something. Um, so I did that, and that was just enough to get me into university to do an economics and business degree. But again, that was, it's very general. It was very like, don't really know what I'm going to do. Um, but I certainly hadn't heard of tech roles. I mean, when I was at university, we did do some computer science modules and had a bit of an interest, but didn't really... Tie that in with like building products or tech products. It was still very much that very kind of computer science piece mm. in the in the tech tech world. And it wasn't till I got my first job, which was actually as an IT recruiter. Was it? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's not secret. I, I'm I'm proud of it. It's where I yeah. started. And then, <laughs> strangely, obviously, I worked for a recruitment tech platform for quite a while as well. Of course. So handy. But during that role. Uh, which I wasn't very good at, by the way. I didn't really get many placements or make bit the big recruitment money that I was promised when I started. Yeah. But I started talking to a lot of people that were in tech. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What? what is, you know, what is a web developer? What do they do? What's, what's what? all these act- ac- acronym, uh, acronym? <laughs> acronyms?
0: Acronyms. Acronyms. Sorry. I do that all the time. Acronyms. I do that all the
1: time. Um, you know, what's HTML? What's PHP? What's a database? So speaking to all these people that were getting into these roles as a big kind of, you know, com and, and after kind of boom mm. and I was just really curious and also they were earning lots of money yeah. as well you know I was like on my like 8k starter job or something um, and it got me interested enough to start to start learning so I taught mm. myself html
0: how, how did you do it? What was for it?
1: So books, and then I also had a friend who was actually at college at the time. So we got, we got set up and we were starting to, to learn and build out some really, really basic web pages. And it was just enough for me to, I say blag, <laughs> because it, it felt like at the time I was totally like winging it, right. but a job as a junior web developer, well, sorry, a junior webmaster Okay. So don't know, that's probably not a role anymore that yeah, you've recruited that. for. Well, yeah, yeah. Do so webmaster? Awesome. Title. Genie, I mean, amazing job. It's kind of like your Jedi kind of title, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? It is. Um, but it, it was a role mainly in uh, digital uh, marketing agencies where they were kind of moving from print to to digital and you'd kind of design, build and manage the websites for customers. Yeah. So you do everything from trying to understand, you know, what's the what's their product, you do the wireframes, did some design, which was really bad. Like you've seen from my drawer, <laughs> you like the design side of things. Um, then you'd build the basic um, website and then you'd host it, but then you'd manage it. So you'd do kind of like customer management piece as well. And it would be integrated with like e-commerce platforms for selling mm-hmm. products. So I did that in Edinburgh, which was where I'd ended up <laughs> in Edinburgh. Um, yeah, for a good couple of years and then i had a bit of a and then my career started in digital agencies and then i got a job in manchester where i moved more towards the kind of technical team management side of things as i got more interested in like the back end side of the tech as well
0: what was it yeah cuz that's an interesting one isn't it the difference between a a digital agency and a product focused soft like software house how was the transition from one to the other
1: well, I mean, the first transition from digital agencies was was not so much to a software house, but was to travel travel companies. Okay. So my first kind of, I'd say, proper kind of product-focused role was working for TUI. They had a, a branch in Manchester, and that was working with their product homes, building out hotels and flights, websites. So that wasn't then just the front end. I was like managing a team that was doing a lot of technical integrations for flights, you know, hotel stock. Um, So there was a lot of data, a lot of much larger data sets than I've managed with. So then it was like, well, how do you deal with that? What are the different roles? What's the performance impact of different data? What happens when you've got, you know, thousands or millions of people trying to log on and buy a holiday when you've got a sale, Mm -hmm. you know, and what's the impact on your infrastructure? Um, So then I started looking at, and managing like teams for hosting and support teams as well. So that's how it kind of all grew out. And then I got more involved in all of the different in all of the different roles.
0: What was your first management I mean, you mentioned AU management of Yeah, so
1: I was still like working embedded in the team, making sure that things happened, sure. I guess, in that in the in those holiday roles. Sorry, in that for two E. Mm-hmm. Um, I then did a stint at money supermarket. Of course, yeah, And yeah, that yeah. was working for the travel in travel travel arena but that was as a technical project manager
0: wow okay so
1: that I mean that was my first like at scale I think tech tech job and it was still very much in the early not well, the early days but it was before agile ways of working so it was still very very siloed where you had somebody was writing a, a spec you know that was getting handed over to development then it was getting handed over test and then the deployment team. And the deployments at that point were crazy. I mean, they were still like copying code onto servers at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, we'd have to get there to do a deployment. Um, you know, they'd be like copying codes into all these de- dependency management, rolling out a database. Mm-hmm. And then it would get to like eight o'clock in the morning. And if it wasn't like perfect, then it would have to be rolled back. And
0: I'm probably romanticizing it a little bit, but it does sound kind of, yeah, it does sound kind of remote, like this, I don't know, the hustle, not the hustle and bustle, but you know what I mean? Like the, the drama of making yeah. sure it gets out. Yeah, yeah. Time. I
1: mean, it was like, I mean, I love a challenge. I was just mm. telling you about my running challenge, but it, the, 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 if I look back now at how stressful those deployment moments were compared to like continuous deployment now where the whole ethos is around like small changes yeah, really often, you know, often so the user doesn't really even notice that you're incrementally improving their experience. Whereas mm. this was like big bang. We'd work on things for like months. And then we'd all be there through the night, and like, oh my god, if it didn't work,
0: like, literally just switching one off and turning one on, uh, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: That was starting to get into that kind of management side of things, or kind of like very kind of tech team leadership piece. Um, but I think my big, my, my biggest break after that was moving to on the beach, right? And that was a role as IT manager with the job was called at the, at the time um, and I think it was a bit of a it was the first internal tech uh, role they were it was at the time where they were really looking to accelerate the move from we're a cool center business mm-hmm. to we're an e-commerce you know holiday uh, online provider.
0: Was that their old office in Cheedle? No, no,
1: it was before then, they were in Didsbury. Oh,
0: wow, okay. Yeah, Jeez. yeah, they were
1: in Didsbury. So it was already a really big call center, mm. like a 200 seat call center. So I came in and um, was looking after everything kind of IT. So I was looking after the call center, you know, the, the, the team that were doing like desktop support and all that side. Mm. So that was really interesting because I'd never done that before. So that was that kind of other part of tech away from software development. But I was also responsible for bringing the existing e-commerce platform in-house and growing that team as well so that when I started it was me and got a couple of Ruby on Rails developers and we started to like get control and understand the code base Um, and then just grew that that team just like to create the structure and create it more into an agile team that could deliver the value early and often Mm -hmm. I think by the time I left, there was maybe 30, 35, or 40 people there. So yeah, it was a really big growth curve. But that was really like working so closely with um, the senior leadership team, and especially the CEO, mm-hmm. Simon Cooper, to really understand and test and learn like how can we trans, how can we utilise tech to create the much better holiday experiences and like package things up in different ways. Sure. So that um, it can become a successful online business, and you know it has done. Mm. It did.
0: Sure. And then, and then, what happened after that? And
1: after that, I kept with the holiday theme for a little bit, and I went uh, back down south. So being originally from down south, I was always, I thought I'd always get back down down there. Right. I mean, what happened was I got got down there, and uh, I was like, God, it's so ex-. after being in Manchester and owning a house in Manchester, I got down to London way, and I was like oh my God, this is so, so expensive <laughs> yeah. and actually ended up coming back um, okay. after a year. But I had a stint down there working uh, with Thomas Cook on their Hotels for You. Similar thing to on the beach, although that kind of next phase, there was already a team of like 30 and it was like, how can we organize ourselves to be more agile to really incrementally deliver out changes for the, for the customer and then grow grow that team as well. Because online holidays was really, really of kicking off
0: yeah and then obviously words at hiring hub was so that after Tom School? was
1: n- it no so then um wanted to move back up to manchester and at the time bbc was expanding there so i was then a portfolio um, manager for tv and mobile platforms up there so that was a good three years stint and that was great that gave me that really big corporate experience you know got Low, got exposure to so many different things. So the team that I was working on was uh, going through a bit of a digital transformation at the time. It's about 200, looking after iPlayer on TV and mobile, looking after iPlayer radio, looking at the old red button. Well, it was old red button, it's now obviously a digital red button service, oh. but that was part of the, the thing. We worked on events like obviously Wimbledon, football events, Olympics was obviously a big one that we are involved in. Then,
0: yeah, obviously, you've got some amazing kind of names on your CV, where you work at Money Supermarket, Thomas Cook, Chewy, you know, um, BBC. Going into these teams that some are perhaps are already established, what's the kind of what's the first thing that you do? Because you can, I'm sure, it can be quite overwhelming going into a team that's already established. You're the new person. like Who's this coming into managers? What's the what's the first step?
1: I mean, the first step that I always do is it's spending time with in the teams sure. like getting to know the people how they're interacting what they're doing what they want to do what are their challenges um, as individuals and teams so that's a really big bit of it but then it's also working with the product and the business and the commercial side like what do we want to achieve what do we need to achieve and then you know how do we kind of move the team towards that and then you know for example within the bbc a lot of it was around reorganizing the teams around outcomes and products mm-hmm. rather than being in siloed teams that was aligned to the tech stack type oh, wow. of thing. And then it was a lot of coaching and mentoring around that mindset shift because it that, that product, you know, delivering product mm-hmm. rather than say just delivering code is, mm-hmm. is, is quite a different mindset. And it's not, not for everybody. And it's kind of, we had to take people on the journey mm-hmm. and give them the right, uh, training and coaching, you know, to be able to work in those environments.
0: Yeah, no, I can, I can imagine it's, it's yeah, I, I guess if you're going into a, a particular role, you understand what your uh, goal is, don't you? So it's it's already outlined for you. And speaking of which, you've you just started a business called Lunio, as you can see by the call.
1: Yeah, yeah. So,
0: uh, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about Lunio.
1: I was really interested by Lunio. So it's a business founded from a digital marketing agency. Oh, cool. Thinking around 2016, because I've just started. Um, yes. the, the dates might be a little bit a little bit out. And they were working with a customer of theirs, and they'd identified, and this was for performance marketing, mm. so managing a lot of the Google Google Ad traffic. And they'd identified that there was a lot of invalid traffic, so a lot of clicks coming from not from customers, so potentially from competitors, from bots, from non-human traffic. Okay. And actually, this was taking up a lot of a lot of spend. As well, so what they did um, is did I guess could call it maybe an MVP, but they built built out a bit of a product to kind of test this to be able to detect and then block mm. that traffic, so that people could get their marketing spend back and they could actually reuse that marketing spend on valid traffic oh, as wow. well. So, and the interesting thing is, it's actually a problem that people don't really know about mm. because like google and the companies where you're at they they don't do a lot to kind of stop that malicious activity i think for them they're still making money out of that traffic whether it's valid traffic or or not um so the whole idea around lunio is that they can detect this traffic they can link into your your ad campaigns as well so they can understand what's valid user traffic and then save a bulk of of the money if if it's or customers by detecting and then protecting those clicks as well. That's a great idea. So, yeah, so, so it is. I mean, it, and I think the, the thing is, like I said, people don't necessarily know that it's a problem. And I yeah. think part of Lunia's kind of rollout uh, is that they can, it's so easy to onboard and get it set up mm. that for a new customer to go through the initial kind of trials phase, I think it's a couple of weeks, mm. they, we can just demonstrate that value quite quickly. And it's not like months of onboarding on or big technical changes to get the code into your site. And then we obviously protect that that data um, all compliant in terms of the way we, we keep it and anonymize it as well. So that's it. So that's that's, that's 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 my week two yeah. <laughs> knowledge knowledge on it. Well anyway, um, we'll
0: make sure we put the links in for anybody who's yeah, obviously listening and, and anything that's wrong, we'll just dub over. Okay. Hopefully, you know. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's that's incredible. Yeah, I I didn't even think about that. And like you said, probably a lot of people don't. Yeah,
1: it's primarily targeted at um, marketers who obviously manage those campaign budgets. Mm -hmm. There's an easy-to-use dashboard as well that presents that data back, so they can then use that data to demonstrate the savings that they're they're making.
0: Oh, incredible! Right? Okay, fantastic. I
1: think it's like, and again, I'm have to check this, but I think it's like roughly like eleven percent. You know, uplift in terms of the saving. Oh right. In terms of like up to or around eleven percent of the traffic can be invalid mm. traffic, which is effectively wasting budget.
0: So it's pretty tangible saving As, then for anybody yeah,
1: for, for the digital performance ads. Yeah.
0: Interesting, right? So, and um, so how big is how big is the team now, and what's been going on at Lunio recently?
1: So there's loads of growth going on. I mean, like I said, I started two weeks ago. There was five people. There's another three people started. So. Um, I think overall, the team's probably about heading towards 50 or maybe slightly over that, I'm not sure. From a tech perspective, there's probably about 12 we've got in the team at the minute. But again, we're consistently growing that. Part of that scaling journey is looking at what uh, what are the key roles that we need to make sure we're adding. So product is a new area that we've got to really give the product a focus, get focused around the user the user needs for the next iteration of that we're maturing the platform in terms of automated testing so that we can move a bit quicker we're obviously looking at how we scale the architecture for, for growth so that we can uh, deal with a lot more data we can do smart things with that data as well so yeah so we can really meet the customer needs exciting
0: wow so you've obviously been brought on as vp of engineering uh, over at Lunio. so so your your main priority at the minute is to, is to grow the team out Is that right?
1: Yeah. So I think it's all about how do we take quite a small engineering team that already has a great product that has a lot of users and look at how we scale scale for the future. A lot of that is about the people, the team, how we organize um, and then maturing the kind of underlying platforms and making some of the technology choices for for the future.
0: Amazing And recently secured investment, is that right?
1: Yeah, so it was last September they got the Series A investment. Wow. So yeah, so there's a lot of growth in all sorts of areas. And actually the, the some of the leadership team are in the America this week. So that's um, exciting as well that they are out speaking to different companies in America. Um, I think there's a big, a big kind of digital agency play as well in terms of as a customer base. Um, so I think there's a lot of conversations
0: going on in that area oh interesting so when you say digital agency player in terms of like almost like an affiliate sort of thing if if they yeah were... so there's a
1: partnership side to the business that is um having lots of conversations in terms of how we can grow the business that way as well wow yeah
0: how exciting yeah
1: it's really exciting
0: yeah okay because obviously you've hired for again more, we've talked about it earlier just multiple different businesses really big names um startup business as well like hiring hub yeah what, what's your approach how, how do you go out there and how do you interview slash find people
1: yeah i mean i think from moving from the corporate world so bbc and i was at co-op i took the jump into startup where my first for the first time which was with with hiring hub and i think that was really interesting because you go from being at a big company that has a tech brand you know they have a brand they have lots of people that you probably help you with with recruitment but with the smaller scale ups it's important to try and get a not only your business brand obviously but like a tech brand so that the tech community is kind of this is a great place to work this is a good product this is a great culture a great way to deliver products it's great text tech stack so i think that area is quite important to me in terms of and getting out and speaking about that as well so that you can kind of get a lot of a lot of interest from a process perspective we're trying to keep the process as short as possible we want to make sure that we are attracting the best talent.
0: Yeah, I I, I think I I think keeping that process as short as possible. A hundred percent. I think that obviously I'm a recruiter and um, and you see the what the people that miss out tend to miss out on the talent are the ones that take too long either feeding back or um, or have a four or five stage process is ridiculous or you know, it's unfortunately the way the market is at the minute you just need to you need to yeah, be quick and and people will sometimes choose a business uh, uh, based upon how much effort is required to to apply for it unfortunately interest can can wane pretty quickly
1: and i think at the minute uh, where we are in lunio we're looking for a few more senior people to kind of bolster that that team up but we do want to bring in kind of root talent as well and i think once we've got some more of that place we want to create partnerships with whether that's the different coding camps or different initiatives like tech returners and diverse and equal in terms of like, how we can get, you know, r- grassroots kind of set up and kind of develop skills and talent through the, through the team.
0: That's great. It was a great, the great term someone used who had on the podcast, weirdly enough, um, uh, an element of like passing down the ladder mm-hmm. to the to the people, you know, coming up in tech. It, it seems to be a, an ongoing theme of um, that, ethical, ethical practice of making sure that you are bringing, bringing more junior people up because yeah. everyone knows there's not enough people. Yeah, it's just a nice moral thing that a lot of people in the tech community do, passing yeah. down the ladder for the next generation. One,
1: one of the things, one of the many things I think that attracted me to Lunio is actually one of their core values is about staying ethical. Yeah, so like through all their decision making, like making sure that we stay ethical and that's, that was re- that's really important to me.
0: That's incredible. That's incredible. Again, we've spoken before, we've spoken loads of times, and a big thing for you is um again is getting more women into, into technology. And I, I read a stat, it's like there's nineteen percent, I think it was actually from Tech Nation, and nineteen percent of the tech workforce are women, which is you know, crazy low. Yeah,
1: still crazy low. Yeah. Um yeah. Like,
0: what what can businesses be doing? And then I'm sure this is a question you've been asked quite a lot. Um, what can businesses be doing to 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 attract more women into tech?
1: So I think there's a couple of different things. I think you need to make sure that your environment is open to everybody and is kind of a comfortable space for people to to work in. I think from a recruitment perspective as well, you need to make sure that your advert, whether that's your adverts or the recruiters that you're working with, the spaces that you're advertising in and the partners that that you're using are also diverse in terms of the shortlist and the candidates that they're speaking to. Not just from a gender perspective but from all kind of minority groups to make sure that you're getting good good diversity uh, in your candidates and mm-hmm. um, then there's working with specific organizations you know like women in tech tech returners diverse and equal and lots of other organizations where they are you know actively bringing more women through especially into kind of the boot camps whether that's coding boot camps or there's UI UX kind of boot camps there's introduction to tech type workshops and then maybe partnerships with universities as well Mm. um so yeah so i think there's a lot of different spaces it feels like there's still a lot to do in that area and i think it needs to start much earlier on than than in the workforce (laughs) in the workplace there's still a lot of work to do and i think there needs to be more work in schools potentially in terms of uh, getting um, girls more into whether that's STEM subjects, but just generally getting more of an understanding of what the different tech roles that there are.
0: But I, I, I can interject a little bit because I I know exactly what you mean, and I think that education piece around because I think even still now, even with all the education stuff, educational stuff that's out there around tech, uh, I think people do still think a techie is a headphone, you know, a bloke with his headphones on, kind of crunching keys, which. As you know, isn't the case, and I've got. I should been on the podcast Amelia Amelia Bampton, shout out, and she's done incredibly well for herself and in her career. And admittedly, she says I've never touched a line of code in my entire life. Yeah, uh, and there's loads of people out there like that, and it's uh, yeah. I think I think you're right, 100. percent I think there is that, that education piece around. By the way, you don't just have to sit behind a computer and crunch keys all day, <laughs> unless but you y-
1: yeah. But even if you even if you did, I think you know ultimately you're building out all the all the apps that people use. You know and you can be designing it you can be building it you can be testing it you can be doing a slice of all of it mm. through that but ultimately the products that we use every day and the percentage of products that we use every day to manage life things is obviously increasing yeah absolutely
0: amazing well look, 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 I'm, I'm I'm, so i'm uh, so excited to to see how your first year and plus goes at, at, at Luño, so it's exciting times. And um, a lot, I always like to ask, I'm conscious of time because I, 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 we could have rabbit on all day, but we talked about passing down a ladder yeah. before. And a lot a lot of the time that starts from a leadership position. Is there anybody that you've crossed paths with during your career that, um, that you owe a lot to or that, that's kind of burned in your memory?
1: So for me, a real advocate that I felt put a lot of trust in me was when I made that leap to on the beach mm-hmm. as IT manager. Um, there was a guy, uh, Jeff Wood, who's the finance director there. Right. You know, and I was still very junior and I think he put a lot of, of faith in my ability, well, not necessarily my ability, but I think he could see something in me. Yes. I think he could see I was curious, I was hungry to kind of learn And yeah, and I think that was really the launch of my career into kind of like senior tech roles after that on the beach experience, because I got exposed to so many things. You know, I was reporting to the board around everything that I was doing. I was managing, you know, IT, call center, software, data centers, and kind of putting all of those things together. I think that was the foundations for me then ultimately getting CTO type roles.
0: Wow. That's great. I, I don't think people understand the power of someone just having a little bit of faith in you yeah. and being like you're doing a good job can make so much difference uh, evidently because, because of how well you've done in your career as well. Um, cool. And, and look, last question. I was like to end on this. If today was your last day on earth and apart from spending time with family, of course, and being on this amazing podcast, mm-hmm. what would um, what would you be doing?
1: um i would hopefully be mountain biking in the peak district or in wales or something wow i I love a bit of mountain biking haven't been able to get out much just the weather's not it's been a bit cold and then then a bit wet, wet wet as well
0: yeah obviously a fitness fanatic for anyone who doesn't know and you're currently doing this 100 when this podcast comes out you'll probably completed it uh 100k challenge with your friends running 100k yeah, um, yeah, in January. Yeah, you're a lunatic. Um, so, are you winning? Are you had?
1: Um, I am maybe third at the minute. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm on 95, and there's a couple of people that have actually done the hundred. So, yeah. So Just I, need go, I need to run home after. I need to need to run home. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say.
0: <laughs> um, awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on. Um, really, again, I think anyone who is watching this podcast needs to watch Lunio and keep an eye on Lunio because recent investment growing like crazy. Doing amazing stuff um and yeah keeping out for the ads and yeah excited to excited to see where you're in the next 12
1: months yeah great thanks Jack
0: and that's it for this week's episode thanks so much for listening and I really hope you enjoyed it anything we talked about will be linked in the show notes and if you haven't already don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'll catch you on the next one